that song for like three days now. That's awesome. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <clears throat> well, we're going to get into the Word of God in just a moment. You have a backpack buddy sheet on your seat as you came in. Uh, we had a video a couple of weeks or maybe a month and a half, two months ago. We had a nice response, but there is more work to be done. We have 70 bags that we put together with two meals in that bag for 70 students. 30 of them are right here. 40 of them are over at Wichita Family Support in the Head Start program. We're being a blessing to our community, and we're inviting everyone to be a part. We're asking you to sign up for one. Maybe even you're just, you bring a can of beans, a can of corn. Uh, maybe you bring some a granola bar. I don't know what it looks like for you, but every one of us can do something. Let's just extend the hand of love. Does that make sense? Can I get, can I get a head nod like, yeah, that makes sense. So if you take time to fill this out, you can read it and uh, take time to fill it out, and then you can leave that on your seat, or you can leave that at the sound booth, or you can leave it at the welcome table that Pastor Matt is going to be at immediately following service greeting our uh, new family and friends. And so please, please, please help us with that. Matt mentioned the Five Friend Focus, and he left his up here. That was awesome. Uh, on the back of the Five Friend Focus is a weekly prayer guide, and we want to encourage you to be praying with us as we pray every day, uh, seeking the Lord. Uh, one of our family members is on their way to the mission field. Uh, where is Lucy? Lucy, where are you? Lucy, will you just stand real quick? Everyone turn around and look at Lucy. There she is. Yeah, hands pointing at her. She's doing a great job. She's She's been seeking the Lord how she might serve. And... The Lord has opened a door for her. She's a she's has this amazing ministry in counseling. She's counseled, I mean, I mean, literally down in Hollywood and some major executive places. And she just wants to use her giftings in the kingdom of God. And a door is opened up for her to go with a team of ladies down to Bolivia, and it's coming soon. And there's more work to be done in the area of finances. She's about $900 shy of what she needs. And here's our family. It's a great work, and we believe. And so here's what I'm going to ask our church to do. I'm going to ask that we would just, we would meet the need. We just meet the need. And I believe that there's 1, 2, 10, 15, maybe 20 of us that could meet this need right now, right now. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to just simply be, like the song said, uh, let the G stand for generosity. And I know you always give, and you always give very generously, and we thank you. But can we meet this need today? Can we just can we meet this need today? Do you believe we can? That was really puny. Do you believe we can? Yeah, amen. Amen. Lucy, we want to pray for you. If you are inspired to do something, I don't know if it's $25, $50, $100, $500, whatever it is, I want to encourage you to do that. And you can leave it at our mission table uh, after service. Just put it in an envelope. Uh, and I'm going to ask, um, where is Adam and Stella? Adam and Stella, right here, second row. Guys, stand up real quick. They're going to be at the mission table immediately following service. And if we could just hand those envelopes to these guys, we're going to believe God for great things. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Let's pray.
Father, we ask your blessing on the team that is going to Bolivia. That, God, you would go before them, make rough places smooth, that you would open hearts and doors, that the kingdom of God would advance powerfully and effectively in Bolivia. The work that they are going to do, Father, will you bless and anoint and equip and provide every need in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said a strong amen. Amen. Praise God. Uh, I want to give a quick update on our building, and then we're gonna, we are actually going to get into the Word of God this morning. Uh, it's been a long process. And our venture in owning our own place, to call home, where we can be more effectual in ministry. Because the ministries that we are currently involved in are really the tip of the iceberg. I believe that God has much, much more for us to do. But having a home base where seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, 365 days, however you calculate it, that we can be actively engaged in the work of the ministry in a greater capacity with more involvement from our church family. A couple of things, four quick things. Number one, the contract for the purchase of the building. It is in its final revision, and it is exactly what we agreed to some three and a half years ago. That's very exciting. That's very, very exciting. In that time period, we have raised about $200,000 toward the projects that we're going to do immediately. We will be initiating this year, likely April 1st, another capital campaign. We'd like to raise another $100,000. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay. The contract is in its final revision. It's at the attorney's office. We will get the contract back. We'll have our attorney review it for its final go-ahead. We will sign the contract, and we will make the appropriate down payment, and we will be the owners. And that's very exciting. So, yeah, that's very exciting. Now, my expectation is it will happen before the month of February is over. Now, I... I know this much, every time I thought we were going to have something done, there was some level of delay. But I am suggesting to you that I believe that we will be making these transactions within the next two weeks and that all will be well and done. So very, very exciting. Um, we are refinancing our home on 132nd. The church purchased the house 10 years ago. It has had many different functions for our fellowship. Presently, it is housing a minister from our community and his family, and one of our elders lives there as well. There's two, there's two dwellings, and in the process of refinancing that, and there are solid reasons why we were refinancing, we have now a financial organization that has reviewed all of our financials, has reviewed our whole process, and... That house is in process right now. Papers are being drawn, and I expect to receive the contract this week where we will simply sign and everything will be done. So that's very exciting. 
and there will be no cosines on the loan. That's, that's amazing. We're also knocking five years off of the contract from our original purchase uh, from 10 years ago. So that's very exciting as well. Uh, permits with the county. Basically, everything is done. The one thing that had a little anomaly and the county didn't know what to do with us is we don't own the building yet. There is an agreement with one of the environmental organizations in the county that we had to sign as owner. We can't sign it as owner, so they're holding our permit. So we made contact with them again about three weeks ago, and we described our scenario and said, is it possible to have both the current owner and us as the new owners-to-be sign the document so that we can move forward and get our permit in hand? We got a phone call back, and our engineers got a phone call back and said this is, they've never had anything like this come across their desk. They contacted their legal department, and their attorneys are drafting a special document for us to sign and for J.D. Arndt to sign as well, and we will move forward with our permits. We expect to receive that this week as well. So everything is coming to a head right now. And it's very exciting for us. It's the culmination. Those of you who have been a part of this, really, some of you in this room from the very beginning, some of us in this room for 12 years, we've been setting up and tearing down. And the idea that we may in the 2017 not have to set up and tear down is becoming a reality and becoming very, very exciting. And so I would just invite you to pray with us and let's just that every I would be dotted, every T would be crossed, and God's blessings would continue. Can we just say a quick word of prayer and ask God to continue to do that? Father God, we just ask your blessing. You have helped us thus far. In a matter of speaking, God, we raise up our Ebenezer stone and we say, thus far the Lord has helped. And certainly, God, it has not been in my timing. I keep thinking, man, I thought it was going to be three years ago. And Lord, here we are today and we simply look to you and say, wow, I can see, perhaps we can see the hand of God in all of these things. And Lord, how you have blessed the Arndt family, J.D. and his family, with all that is before them, and you've blessed our fellowship with all that is before us. Lord, will you help in these last days as we make our final preparations? And really, God, the work begins. Help us, equip us, and prepare us for the work that is in front of us. We ask it and we agree in Jesus' name. And everyone said a strong amen. Amen. Thank you. Now, just so you know, once we are owners and once we have permits, we can begin demolition. And when I say we, I mean we. We will be doing a lot of the work. Adam Neal, who is uh, good, he's part of our mission team. There he is again. <laughs> he and my son Jonathan are coordinating the skills team and skills teams. You might be here today and you say, well, I don't have any skills. Well, you might be surprised. You probably do have some skills. Because some things are going to be simply picking stuff up and carrying it to a dumpster. Other things are going to be like making cookies. 
appreciate that. Amen. <laughs> We're going to have work days and there's going to be all kinds of stuff. And so we have a little survey sheet that we'll be handing out. We won't be doing it this week. I was originally thinking about this week, but then I looked at everything we had on the list and I thought, you know what, we're going to save it for another day. But that's going to be very forthcoming and really we want you to list just anything that you think you might be able to contribute and we have some suggestions on that sheet. We're going to set up a little spreadsheet. We'll set up uh, lots of opportunities and detail for folks to help. Does that make sense? How many of you would like to swing a hammer? A sludge hammer. <laughs> All right. Well, it is, uh, it's 11.05. That leaves me about 45 minutes to teach. I'd like to say Genesis chapter 26, it, it, it is, it's, for me, it's like a page right out of the book by John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress. Pilgrim's Progress, if you've read the book, or if you've studied the books, or if you, if you read the cliff notes on the book, or if you just heard about the book, it really is the story of a guy by the name of Christian, and it's an allegory. It's an allegory of the Christian walk. I mean, his first encounter in this dream that he is having, and it's about this man named Christian, he comes across the bog of despair. And it's there he meets worldly wise, and he gets instruction, and on down the line, he's working towards the celestial kingdom in the land of Beulah, where he will spend eternity. And he encounters all kinds of trials and tribulations that test his faith. Many of us here this morning, even just hearing that, we reminisce in our own lives and we can identify with the Christian walk or the life of faith. We saw it in the life of Abraham. In fact, from chapter 12 of Genesis to chapter 25, we've seen the life of Abraham. And it is a life of faith. And man, his faith, he's had bumps in the road. He's had highs. He's had lows. He's had peak tops. He's had valley bottoms. But at the end of the day, God sees this man who believed the word of the Lord. And it was accredited to him as righteousness. He had faith in what God said. We come to Isaac, and we don't have 13 chapters of Isaac's life. In fact, we have a small amount of information about Isaac's life. But what we do see, it's like Pilgrim's Progress 2, like father, like son. Like father, like son. Isaac literally in the testings of his faith seems to do the exact same thing his dad did. And so I turn your attention to Genesis chapter 26. And with that we'll read the first nine verses and then we'll look at a couple of thoughts from the Word of God. 
Chapter 26, Genesis, page 21 in my Bible. There was a famine in the land. Besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. And the men of the place asked about his wife, and he said, she is my sister. So he was afraid to say she is my wife because he thought, lest the men of the place kill me for Rebekah because she is beautiful to behold. Now it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw and there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. I like what the King James says. It says he was sporting his wife. <laughs> or making sport of his wife, something to that measure. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, Quite obviously, she is your wife. So how could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I said, Lest I die on account of her. Father, in the next few moments, as we look into the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, Father, may we glean wisdom that will be transformative in our lives. And Father, may our eyes be open and our ears that we might hear what your spirit is saying to the church. We ask it in Jesus' name and everyone said a strong amen. Remember, Isaac is a type of the life after the spirit. The spiritual life. It's the life contrary or contrasted to Ishmael. Ishmael is a life after the flesh. And so we see two lives. Ishmael, the firstborn, a life after the flesh. Isaac, the secondborn, a life after the spirit. Here's the reality, each one of us, you and I, we were born physically. In fact, if you're here, you were born physically. Hello. If you've received Christ as your Savior, you have been born again, your second birth. And there's a conflict between the firstborn, the flesh, and the secondborn, the spirit. Does that make sense? How many of you remember what it was like before you were born again? There was no conflict because you did what you wanted to do. 
You, in effect, were a law unto yourself. Whatever goes, goes. Whatever feels good, do. But then you received Christ as Savior, and immediately you recognize there's a conflict because the things that I want to do, I realize now and recognize that these are not well-pleasing to the Lord. And my spirit man on the inside wants to live well-pleasing to the Lord, so now I'm in conflict. And it happens every single day for every single one of us to this very day. No matter how long you've known the Lord, there is still that conflict. Because Paul tells us in his letter to the churches of Galatia that they are diametrically opposed. The Spirit is longing for those things that are contrary to the flesh, and the flesh, those things that are contrary to the Spirit, and so they fight, and there's a battle raging in us. Our spiritual maturity, as we all should be growing in the Lord, we should be gaining victory and bringing our flesh into subjection to the Word of God. So with that idea, Isaac is a type of a life after the Spirit, a life of faith, if you will. Three thoughts out of today's text. Number one, well, before I get to number one, let me say it this way. Isaac, a life of faith, yes, but, yes, but. And here's the thing, and this is today's message, it's really a reminder to every one of us, and it's a warning for all of us, okay? You may identify yourself in the midst of this as well. So number one, Isaac will pander to the flesh. In other words, the spirit man of my environment, if there's famine in the land, I have a tendency to pander to the flesh. In our story, there was a famine in the land, beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. You might remember the days of Abraham. The story begins in Genesis chapter 12. He is called away from his father's house. And he goes, he takes his father with him, he takes Lot, his nephew, and they go to Haran. There he waits, his father passes, and then he and Lot travel to the land that God had called him, to the land of Canaan. But when they get to Canaan, there's a severe famine in the land. And immediately he turns to Egypt, and he goes down to Egypt. Egypt, biblically speaking, is a type of the world. Here he is, the man of faith. God's directing his life. But the, um, the moment conflict arises, famine, he looks to the world for his supply. He looks to the world for his provision. That's not a, that's not a faith step. You won't find that in a Christian self-help, well, be sure to look to the world because they're going to satisfy all your needs. No. 
And we see that in Abraham. And here, now, Isaac, all attention is on Isaac. And Isaac, we're told, now famine comes. Again, it's probably been 100 years since a severe famine like this. A famine hits. What does he do? He literally travels from where he is at Beer or Beer uh, Lahoy Roy, the place that God sees. He goes from the place that God sees to Abimelech in Gerar. It's northwest. He travels northwest. It's toward the coast. If you if you could put an image of the nation Israel, it's like right by the Gaza Strip. And he's over there, and here's the thing. It is one of the key routes to Egypt. And one might get in their mind, he's, he's thinking, I've got to supply the need. And you can tell by God's comment to him when God shows up to him and speaks directly to him. He says, don't go down to Egypt. What does that tell you was in the heart of Isaac? I'm going to Egypt. And God says, don't do that. Don't do that. Our tendency as born-again believers is to get impatient with God. We might even be familiar with the promises of God. No matter what you're going through right now, there are promises that apply to you and me in our lives. God is God. He shall supply how much of our need? All of our need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Why do we turn to the world and the systems of this world when God has already promised? And we know the promises, but we don't operate in faith. Rather, we operate in that which we can see, and it produces fear in us, and so we turn to the works of the flesh and the world to try and solve our problems. Like father, like son, he's repeating the same scenario. And God says, don't do that. I think the Lord would be saying to you and I today, don't do that. Don't do that. Listen, does not the word of God say, if God be for us, who can be against us? He who has begun a good work in you, he shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We, we oh, golly, what am I going to do now? Some of us have no work. He shall supply all of your need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Does it mean I do nothing? And I'm just I'm just sitting here waiting for God to move. No, we still do what God directs us to do, but we go to him and say, What should I do? And we wait for him to give us direction. Here he tells Isaac, he says, 
You dwell in the land that I tell you. Hang out here. Stay here. I will be with you and will bless you. Listen, brother, sister. Jesus said, Lo, I am with you even unto the end of the age. He is with us. He will not leave us nor forsake us. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 reminds us. And Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is reminding us about the promise in Deuteronomy chapter 31 and the promise to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I like both those promises. Can I get an amen? I will not leave you. Hallelujah. God is with me. And me and God is a majority in any circumstance. Listen, you and God are a majority. We sang about a mountain being cast into the sea. Man, that's scripture. You will be able to say to that mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. And it will be removed and cast into the sea. Only believe. He will not leave us. Hallelujah. You're already a majority. Man, Elisha, he was surrounded by the Assyrian army. And his servant got up, stepped outside, looked outside the tent, looked around, saw the army is all the armies of the Assyrians. He closed the tent doors, backs up, and he says, Elisha, perhaps you should wake up. There's a little problem going on. What he could see. Circumstances. What he could see. What he could hear. Natural man stuff. Elijah gets up, looks outside the tent, and prays that the servant's eyes would be open. And when the servant's eyes were open, he looked round about, and he saw angels on chariots of fire. And he said, those that are with us are more than those that are against us. Come on. Church, that's you and me. Those that are with us are more than those that are against us. Praise be to God. So we must live wisely. Be aware that our flesh wants to pander to the things spirit life gets in a vice. What we perceive as a vice, but it isn't a vice. Let's live wisely. Recognize I'm, there's, no, there's no pressure. <laughs> you say, TD, you don't know my circumstances. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Your circumstances are no different than the person sitting next to you. If God be for you, who can be against you? He will never leave you. He will not forsake you. Period. Period. You say, well, that doesn't put victuals on the table. That doesn't pay for the house mortgage. That doesn't pay for the PGE bill. It will. way. 
and your circumstances are not unique. You say, well, my circumstances are unique. They are not. Your enemy wants you to think that your circumstances are unique. Your enemy wants you to think that you somehow are the exception to the rule. Here's the reality. Your flesh and your ego also want that. But when your enemy whispers that in your ear and in my ear, we oftentimes will just bite hook, line, and sinker. Yep, somehow I'm special. My problem's different than everybody else's. No, it is not. The scripture says all things are common to man. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He will always provide a way of escape. God is what? Faithful. He will always provide a what? Way of escape. How often? Always. Always. Isaac, number two, will pursue the world. So the first, Isaac will pander to the flesh. The second, Isaac will pursue the world. For some reason in our spiritual life, we pursue the world. I recognize, and I think we recognize, that as we're coming out of the world, our tendency oftentimes, like Lot's wife, is to look back. We look back and we think, man, I had it so good there. Because we forget, or circumstance gets pressing. And we think, well, it wasn't pressing over there. Man, when I didn't make a stand for righteousness, I had a job. Now that I've made a stand for righteousness, I'm somehow without a job. Or I'm without friends. When I, when I gave my heart to Jesus, listen, I went, I, I've told you the story before. I went to a high school of 4,000 students. 4,000. My senior year, I was in the quote-unquote right crowd, I guess. The popular crowd. I mean, I was actually voted most friendly. Which absolutely blows me away. In my in my yearbook, my senior year, you can open up into the uh, senior portraits, and there's a picture of me and another gal. We were voted most friendly. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I was not the most friendly, but I was in the right crowd. A year and a half later, when I gave my heart to Jesus, the phone stopped ringing. I lost my friends. Because every person I knew, I told them about Jesus. <laughs> Dude, you just need Jesus in your life. And in the process, we cease to fight. And we tend toward the world. We look back. I remember what it was like to have friends. I remember what it was like to be popular. I remember what it was like, blah, 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 fill in the blank. Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. What's interesting is Abraham had an encounter with Abimelech, a different Abimelech, by the way. Uh, Abimelech is a title. It's king, king of the Philistines. And this Abimelech, actually his name was Ben-Menelech, and 
when he became king, he changed his name to be his father's name, Abimelech, son of the king. Isaac, now, one generation later, is Abraham was here with Abimelech, and he has this encounter with Abimelech, and he does the same thing. This is not uh, my wife, it's my sister, right? Abraham does that. And Isaac, now, his Abimelech's son, Abraham's son, says the exact same thing. This is my sister, like father, like son. But he goes there, leaning on the flesh and turning toward the world for supply. Listen, it got tight, and he needed satisfaction. Now think about that for a minute. He needed food to satisfy a void. So he turned to the world for satisfaction because there was famine. The prophet Joel reminds us of a famine that is coming in the land. A famine of the word of God. A famine of the word of God. When that famine is in the land, people will not be satisfied relationally with their Father, relationally with the Son, relationally with the Holy Ghost, relationally with the written Word of God. And brothers and sisters will turn to the world for satisfaction of a void that is present in their life. Maybe you're here today. And you say, man, my life, spiritually, has been like a famine. I don't feel rightly related to the Father. I don't feel like I'm in communion with Jesus Christ. And I don't feel the presence of God the Spirit in me. God the Spirit, if your faith today is in Jesus Christ, God the Holy Spirit dwells in you, period, end of story. Your recognition of his presence in your life is directly proportional to how you're living. To how you're living. Somebody once said, garbage in, garbage out. If you're just filling yourself with garbage, out of the abundance of your heart, garbage is going to come out. But if you're engaged in and you're in the kingdom of God and you're about the kingdom of God and you're passionate, you're I, no matter what, even if I don't feel good, I'm going to get up and I'm going to read God's word and I'm going to spend time in prayer and I'm going to believe God. And it, Man, I'm going to tell you something. God will meet you right there. Our Father who sees what is done in the secret place, He will reward us openly. That's the promise of God. You can bank on it. But if there's famine, you'll know. Because if you're turning to the world for your satisfaction, to get your charge, to get your plug, to get your feel good, society is telling us and preaching a message. Hollywood's pumping it out saying, if you don't look like this, then you should be dissatisfied. I'm going to just tell you right now, that is just crap. That's garbage. It's garbage. People walking around moping because I have a different shape. I decided this year I was going to get in shape, and then I realized round was a shape, and I'm like, hallelujah. <laughs> I said that to break the ice. You don't have to buy into the systems of this world. I am all about 
being healthy and all that kind of stuff. But, hey, I mean, those are overboard. Moderation. Am I making sense? You know, recognizing that in our spiritual life there's going to be a pandering to the flesh, we need to live wisely, just like recognizing in my spiritual life there's going to be a, the old pursuits of the world that can rise back up in me, I need to live worshipfully. I need to live worshipfully. I need to be engaged in the things of the Lord. We say almost every single Sunday, to you students of the Word of God, or become a student of the Word of God, if you're not a student of the Word of God, that should be making you hungry, thirsty. I want to be a student of the Word of God. What does that mean? Become a studier of God's Word. Become a reader of God's Word. Become a meditator on the things in God's Word. Become someone who memorizes Scripture from God's Word. Become someone who simply obeys the Word. Let the Word of Christ dwell richly in you, Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church of Colossus. The psalmist said, I have hidden thy Word in my heart that I what? Might not sin against you. I said this was going to be a a shorter sermon. We see in verse 2, Then the Lord appeared and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. And so we know that he had Egypt in his mind. Listen. Despite your famine, dwell in the land. Dwell in the land. The Lord will meet you. The Lord will meet you. You do those things that are right. You do those things that are important. If it's a spiritual famine, get up and do the right thing. Change your plans daily. Get into the Word of God. Spend time in the Kingdom of God. Hey, Sunday night service begins tonight. You know, it, you know, it wasn't too many years ago. Sunday mornings were packed and Sunday evenings were packed because people put a priority in the study of the Scriptures. You say, TD, you're putting pressure on me. Yeah. What would you want me to do? You know, go on. Do your thing. No. No. We should be engaged in the church. We should be... The church was Jesus' idea. Has Jesus ever missed a church service? Not one. Not one. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. should follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. A little pressure. You'll be taking the old one, right? (laughs) I mean, I mean, come. Thank you. life of self-control will have a tendency to provide for self. In other words, make provision for self. This is what I mean. 
when we're doing something that is contrary or other than faith. And we all recognize the scripture says without faith it is impossible to please God. We walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of the unseen. We, it's a life of faith. And if, it, if, if it's not faith, then it won't be well-pleasing to God, and don't do it. But the Isaac, as I'm living out this life of faith, I have a tendency to not only pander to the flesh, not only pursue the things of the world, but I make provision for my flesh. The very thing the Apostle Paul said, don't, he said, make no provision for the flesh. Here's how you know if you've made provision for the flesh. Have you tried ever to justify your position that's wrong? Yes, you have. And if you haven't noticed that it's wrong, it's because you're blind. <laughs> and I, I mean that. We're all guilty. And we somehow justify our wrong behavior. Listen to what Isaac says. This is my sister. Abraham was at least telling the truth. She was, in fact, his half-sister, Sarah. But he was telling the truth with the intent to deceive. That's pandering. He could justify it. Well, she is my sister. It's like me and my paper route. I've told you the story before. My dad said, hey, be home by 5 o'clock. Well, there was this girl on my paper route that I kind of maybe had a crush on. And so I'd park my bike, knock on her door, and we'd watch Batman with Adam West. And Batman ended at 5 o'clock, right? I still had half my paper route. And I would always eat the Cheetos at their house. They had a big jar of Cheetos. I'd have you know, I had orange fingers. Like, how am I going to hide this from my dad? i got to go deliver the rest of my paper route. Orange papers, you know, the second half, because they all had orange paper, like, oh, gross. Anyway, I get home, and I know I'm 25 minutes late, so one block away. I let all the air out of my tire. So I run my bike home. My dad says, where have you been? Dad, I got a flat tire again. My dad must have thought I rode my bike through nails or something. I don't know. I told the truth, but it was with the intent to deceive. Do you see? But in my mind, I was justifying it because I was telling the truth. My tire was out of air. And we laugh. Because it sounds funny. But we do it all the time. Some of you right now, you're harboring unforgiveness. Some of you now, you like talking about other people. This wasn't really gossip. I was just saying it as a phrase there. <laughs> it's pandering. And it's pursuing. And it's making provision. We set up arguments to justify our flesh. We're saying, yes, you should do that. You better tell that little morsel of information because it's going to explode inside of you if you don't tell. Brother, would you please be praying for so-and-so? He's really going through a hard time. He's, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then we just give out all the information. And the flesh is just screaming, good job, buddy, good job. And you're like, yeah, that was a good job. Yep, 
pretty good too because then I, 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 like, I felt like I was in the know. And we, we make provision for the flock. I was counseling with a young man. I say counseling, I was mentoring. He was a young man, 17, addicted to pornography. It's a book. Make a list of everywhere you've masturbated. You made a list. Just all right, let's get rid of all that. Put them in this just eliminate them. He says, Well, I didn't write one of them down. And it, he proceeded to tell me, he says, Well, I I, I broke computers. I mean, I can hide stuff inside the computer that no one can find. <laughs> Give me your computer. I'll throw it away. I said, it'll be great. We'll drive out to the cliff. There's a place up on Mount Hood where it's a rock quarry. <laughs> so we get on top. We'll just throw it off. And then people can shoot it with their shotguns because people will be shooting out there. I'm like, that'd be great. He's like, that's 3000 bucks, man. I'm like, do you want to be done? Or do you want to make provision for your flock? Some of us just, we, we just make provision. Well, you know, it's it's just a sitcom. It's really not affecting my life at all. Right? Isaac, Abraham, Pilgrim's Progress. They are instructions to us to grow in faith. I want longer today than strengthening me and strengthening me that we might be wiser as a result because these examples have been given to us that we don't need to be like father like son we don't need to follow in those we don't have to stay there yes the life after the spirit has a tendency to pander to the flesh listen the remedy we must live wisely we need to live together you won't, you won't engage in fleshly stuff if you're with another brother or sister. The brothers are born for times of adversity is what the Word of God says. So we should live wisely. The Scripture tells us, he who seeks isolation, think about this one. He who seeks isolation rages against all sound wisdom. Life after the flesh, private life. In your own. Right? Live wisely. Don't be alone. People around you that love God. Isaac will pursue the world. The tendency that life after the Spirit will have a tendency to pursue the world. Finding satisfaction. Listen. Worship the Lord. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you offer your lives as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to the Lord. This is your Spiritual worship. Boom. It's how we live. 24-7, 365. We must live worshipfully. Isaac will have a tendency to provide for self or make uh, self-provision. We must live watchfully. If I find myself trying to justify where I am, 
I probably should be asking this question. Am I even doing the right thing? Would Jesus Christ be abundantly satisfied with me in this scenario? That would be a good question. You might even ask yourself, would the prophet Daniel be abundantly satisfied with me in my current position? Would Job be abundantly satisfied with me in my position? Would Noah, the preacher of righteousness, be abundantly satisfied with me in what I'm doing right now? Let alone Jesus, right? I mean, come on. Let us live watchfully and pay close attention. And let's be reminded of these three things when it comes to our Father in heaven. He said, I will be with you. I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you. He said, I will bless you. I will bless you. Make provision for you. Just hang out and wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. What if Abraham would have just stayed in Canaan and not gone down to Egypt? Things would have been very different. And Hagar would have never been on the scene. about that for a moment. How about we wait for the Lord? And finally, be reminded that God will execute His purposes. He will. Period. Stand with me this morning. It's late. I'm sorry. My prayer is that the Spirit of God has encouraged you, has challenged you, and that we would pursue Him with all of our hearts. Can I get an amen? By the way, the sermon wasn't actually long today, longer than normal. We just had a whole lot of other stuff. So let's blame that other thing that happened in the world. <laughs> That's my flesh justifying me going long. <laughs> Father God, we love you. We need you. Transform us through the power of your Spirit. Oh, that we would cast off the bondwoman and her son. May we just turn from the world and the work of the flesh. And may we worship the King. May we live with wisdom. May we worship. And may we be watchful. In the name of Jesus. And all God's people said a strong amen. Amen. Go in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Have an amazing week in Jesus. If you can help us tear down, we're stacking chairs to the middle. We're getting rid of the platforms today. They're going to get fixed. We appreciate curtains coming down and all that kind of stuff. God bless you.